Alright guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast News Podcast. It is Thursday, April 11, 2019. On today's episode of the podcast, I welcome in Neil Blackman, who is the host of the Florida Basketball Hour podcast and also does writing work over Saturday down south. Uh, we called up to talk about the Florida Gators mainly and really just looking at what they did this past season, um, getting to the NCAA tournament, winning a game in the tournament, and now trying to use that momentum uh, going forward into next season uh, based on when you look at the roster, the Gators could be really good next year. Uh, They've got certainly the freshman class they had this season will be sophomores. They've got one of the best freshman classes in the country coming in. Uh, So there's higher expectations now, and we sort of uh, kind of tied that back to the back-to-back national championships that the Gators won uh, many years ago now, 2006-2007, and sort of reflected on that a bit in terms of that accomplishment in and of itself when you look at today's college basketball landscape, how hard that is to do. And so uh, we did sort of reflect on that team a bit and talk a little bit just what made that that group so special uh, that Billy Donovan had and, and may have went into a little bit about whether we think uh, Billy Donovan will be back coaching in college here anytime soon. So, uh, great discussion, lots of good insight into the Gators. So, let's go ahead and jump into the discussion with Florida Basketball Hour host, Neil Blackman. All right, guys, welcome back in to the Southeast Tubes podcast. As mentioned, my guest today is Neil Blackman. He uh, is all over the place when it comes to the SEC in Florida. He's the host of the Florida Basketball Hour podcast, which I highly recommend, uh, a writer for Saturday Down South as well. Neil, we were talking about it before we came on. The college basketball season's over, but uh, for guys like you and I, um, it's kind of a, a bittersweet time because we're already ready to start talking about next season. I know, I know. I'm like, how many how many months can I wait for that uh, that week in November when everybody's paying attention to football? And I'm like, all right, it's tournament week. <laughs> right. No, and you like I said you'll be you'll be plenty busy uh, in football as we know. Yeah, like I no mentioned, <laughs> you've got you've got plenty to do over at a uh, Saturday down south, and there'll be plenty to talk about. But let's let's go ahead and just jump into uh, looking at the Florida Gators because certainly you look at, at this season in particular, and we'll talk more about uh, next season here in a bit, but. You look at this season, um, I know that maybe, as always, that there's always differing expectations for people um, in, in terms of some people think that, that this team you know, should be an SEC title contender. Some people say, well, this could be a down year. The expectations kind of change depending on who you talk to, but the Gators this year, as we saw, um, able to, to get back to the NCAA tournament again. Uh, they go 20-16. and 16, they, they get a first-round win. Um, I guess for, from your standpoint, what is kind of your overall takeaway from this season in terms of uh, where where the program at least stands right now? So I think I think it, you have to kind of do both ways. Uh, first, you say that they were twelve and eleven at one point, and they rallied, got the tournament bid with with five wins and a brutal stretch in February. Um, and then played well at the SEC tournament and beat a team full of pros to get to the second round. Um, so that's probably, you know, that's the glass half full view. I think inside, in fact, I know inside the program, people are 
or the coaches, the coaching staff is disappointed um, in in the way that the year uh, turned out. I think that the expectations at Florida, you know, it's not Kentucky. There's not really anything yeah. like that. But you know, you are talking about a program that's had sustained excellence for a couple decades. So I think yeah. when you go twenty and sixteen, there's some level of disappointment, and mostly. Blake, you know, it starts with the home games. So they, they drop six yep. games in, in games, which just doesn't happen. Yeah, and like you said, I think that's worth pointing out is when you look at the teams that, that before kind of this resurgence of SEC basketball, it, it was Florida and Kentucky. Like they were the two teams that were the most consistent year in and year out, like you said, over the past decade or so. Um, and so it's understandable why, why the expectations have been raised. And we're going to discuss another aspect of that later uh, from a historical standpoint, why the expectations are what they are. Um, but but we know, like you said, inside in terms of the coaching staff, and I know Mike White's you know tenure there so far, he's been there four seasons. Um, that first season, I think everyone sort of expected that it was going to be one of those years where, where they were kind of retooling some things. Um, they went to the NIT, and now three straight NCAA tournament bids. You had the Elite Eight in there as well. Uh, where do you think people sort of stand when it comes just to, to what Mike White's done to this point? Obviously, we're going to talk about next season because the, there's kind of a – we talk about the expectations. I think the expectations are, are definitely going to be raised next season. But where do you think people stand after this season on the job that, that he's done there thus far? So I don't think that – I think the win over Nevada in particular kind of – it's weird how one tournament win can change things a little bit. But I think that eased some of the – is his seat warm discussion. You know, it's so interesting, and that's when we talk about expectations at Florida and how they're just a little different there. Mike White's been to three straight NCAA tournaments. Only Kentucky's done that. Yeah, uh, That's the only other league team that's done it. He's got five NCAA tournament wins in four years at Florida. Obviously, three of those came in the Elite Eight year, but they were, you know, an Igor Kulichov jump shot from being in the Sweet 16 the year after, and, you know, it rattled out, but against Texas Tech, too. So uh, I think that I think people are hoping that that, that that the Gators will compete for an SEC championship next season, that they, they look at White's tenure and they say, you know, they've lost 11 home games the last two seasons. Uh, if you lose eight or nine, maybe they win the SEC a year ago, even though they didn't compete for it this year because it was certainly there for the taking in Tennessee won. So I think, um, you know, I think that there is some pressure on White to 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 field a better team next season and, and to have a team that plays better. Then again, you know, a lot of things went wrong for Florida this year and they're still in the second round. Well, and let's talk about that because you talk about the things sort of that, that went wrong this year, and it really was kind of a – there was a lot of sort of unpredictable aspects or maybe things sort of turned out the way that we didn't really expect in terms of, you know, certain players certainly that, that maybe weren't what they what we thought they'd be. I know the Jalen Hudson thing is one that was talked about a lot uh, in terms of just kind of that, that slow start he had. And he was able to finally find some consistency there down the stretch. But I guess for, from a, a standpoint of looking at it in that terms, you know, the, the roster itself this year, uh, we know there's going to be changes going into next year. And we'll discuss that with the recruiting class. But what were maybe the, the biggest surprises for you, or what were you you say would would be sort of the the biggest positives for you now going forward with, with this roster? So, I mean, you you touched on the 
the negatives. And I think um, the other one that really needs to be mentioned is the that really two of Mike White's recruiting classes missed. Um, that they're, you know, he had that first class where he salvaged most of Billy Don, what Billy Donovan had had coming in, and get, she'd get a lot of credit for that. It really sustained the program in doing that, but um, really only Dante Bassett from the middle two classes has contributed much of anything, if, if we're being uh, candid about it. And I think, so what you're seeing is all this turnover, which you said we'll talk about. But I think what's obviously positive is that that freshman class, and I'm interested in, in your opinion, which is why I value it so much, is because you're not, you know, following just Florida. And right. You, but to me, if you look at Florida's freshmen, uh, Andrew Nimhard, Noah Locke, and Keontae Johnson, who I think the last guy, Keontae Johnson, is going to be a star. Um, I think that class kind of has the feel of, of a class that's going to do special things. And you combine that, like you said, with what's coming up, and we'll we'll get to that in a second. But I think when you look at it and you look around at the SEC, the recruiting, as we know, has gotten so much better. We're seeing all these these five stars, high four star players come in. Uh, you know, there are top fifty, top seventy five players all over the place now in the SEC because of how well the coaching has gotten in terms of being able to recruit consistently uh, at the highest level. Uh, but I really, you know, when you look around the SEC at the freshman groups from this season, and we know Kentucky's, you know, they're sending people to the NBA. We we know how it works there. But F- Florida, to me, with, with what you just talked about, with, with that trio itself, when you talk about Locke, Nimhard, um, and Johnson, that could be maybe the the highest potential trio from a freshman standpoint um, that there is, you know, and certainly, like I said, we can say that not knowing maybe who's going to come back, who's going to uh, exit and go to the draft and all that. But I don't think there's any doubt that that is one of the the most high potential freshman classes uh, in the entire SEC. And I think they, they showed that this year sort of in their development. Yeah, they did. Uh, I mean, Keontae was a guy who came in in November and could play a lot at the Battle of Atlantis because the staff just wasn't satisfied with his effort, especially defensively. And he ends up, you know, piling up double doubles in late February and March. So you talk about a guy that bought in and got better, um, top a hundred in the country and defensive rebounding rate. I mean, at six foot five, he reminds me a lot of Admiral Schofield actually, because yeah. he can shoot it outside. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty high praise and their freshman numbers are comparable. And then you have the point guard in Nimhard who, you know, he's not an elite athlete, Blake, but he just makes such smart plays, and he just plays well beyond his years. And, um, you know, he's such a fundamentally sound defender. Uh, it kind of compensates for some of that athleticism, you know, deficit. And then Noah Locke is a guy who was shooting 42% from three-point range, finished at 38, and a lot of that's because he was playing through a hit pointer and a groin issue for the last month and a half. So it's kind of testament to his toughness yeah no no doubt and we saw it like we said that the potential was there and you always know you're going to get freshmen that that are going to have their ups and downs at times but uh, there's no doubt that this particular group is sort of that nucleus they're going to build on here moving forward and so let's go ahead and talk about moving forward in terms of uh like we've said with, with the way these these rule changes are and you know transfers recruiting all that stuff it's hard to know this early uh, we're, we're talking three days two days after the national championship 
Um, it's hard to know exactly what the roster is going to look like, and we know that, but we can at least have fun uh, trying to, to kind of put the pieces together. And But we already know from a freshman standpoint, we talked about this year's freshman class. You look at the next year's freshman class, which right now, uh, no, depending on where you look, you know it's, it's anywhere from a, a top five to top ten class uh, in the country, and that has to be, like we said, what's really going to raise expectations. Um, when you look at Scotty Lewis, Trey Mann, Omar Payne, uh, guys like that who are all going to come in and feel like they are going to immediately make an impact. And that's where we, we combine those pieces together. Yes, there's still probably going to be a team that relies on underclassmen on that freshman group from this year, the incoming freshman group. Um, but my goodness, that nucleus right there, just putting those pieces together, that that could be something, couldn't it? It really could, and they'll be able to play a style that I think Florida's fan base will appreciate more, which is something I should have, you know, mentioned. I think some of the frustration was was that Florida fans were used to, you know, electric offenses under Billy Donovan and this like tedious grinding out. Let's play a rock fight every night yeah. this season. Uh, was really some of that was just personnel related, and I don't think. It's harder for outsiders, I guess, to understand that when, when they're not watching it quite as closely as, as you do. But, but yeah, I mean, Lewis, is uh, he's special. He's a one-and-done guy. Um, I hate the like NBA comparisons, but for him, the one that really sticks out is Andre Iguodala. I mean, he just really gets after it defensively. He's not an electric offensive player yet. His jump shot's kind of a work in progress. But he's a Florida guy that, that can get to the rim get to the free throw line, which was a big problem for them this year on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, we saw Florida lose the Mississippi State game because they couldn't contain elite guards. Um, we saw them blow a 12-point lead to Kentucky because they couldn't contain elite guards. Scotty Lewis can lock those guys down. Um, so that's a difference-maker player. And then Trey Mann, you know, the hometown hero, McDonald's All-American, if Lewis weren't coming, he'd be a guy that would be read articles about all the time. Yep. He can log you to sleep. And he gives Florida that electric score that they don't have. Um, I mean, he's a guy who can really go get buckets. The guy I'm excited about is Quez Glover from Knoxville, who yep. they just brought on this week. Um, not in a lot of recruiting services, but you watch film of him, and he looks a lot like Key Clark, who just helped Virginia win the national title. So <laughs> it seems like <laughs> a pretty good deal to me. Yeah, no, no, they've got options, and that's what we said. And you, you kind of touched on a little bit where you look back at this season, and and I kept saying it all year. It was just defensively, Florida's good enough defensively to beat anybody in the country. But you just you came back to that offense and that style, like you said, may have had a lot more to do with just the personnel and being able to to do certain things and not being able to do other things. Maybe that you that you want to, uh, but maybe that that class coming in is going to give them a lot more opportunities to do that. But I, I do think there is one particular area, and I know you probably agree with me on this, and it's no secret, the front court play is what's probably going to be what decides whether Florida is that team. Like I've already said, it, I think Florida can certainly be a top four SEC team, a preseason top 25 type of team. Uh, but there's there's no doubt that there has to be kind of more of that maybe consistency in the front court and, and trying to sort of uh, plug in some pieces there, knowing what's what's exiting this season. Uh, they're going to have to sort of find some pieces to, to put in place there in the front court. They really are, and you know I think with what they have already on campus, they could 
it's potentially a team that can win that second round game and get to the second weekend. But if they have ambition beyond Thursday or Friday on the second weekend, they have to add a grad transfer uh, to the front court because Dante Bassett is a really good effort guy, but he's not an SEC caliber starter. They're really going to miss Kavarius Hayes in terms of a rim protector. Um, you know, I just don't think, I mean, it was, it was a crime uh, against humanity that Kavarius Hayes wasn't on the SEC all defensive team. Yeah. I, I know that there were several media types who, who tweeted that out and, could, you know he'll he'll be missed in the locker room. So they do. They need to add a front court piece. They're they're bringing a couple guys in this weekend to give them some more length. Um, but you know it even is compounded more by Keystone deciding to transfer. He's not a real good defensive piece, really, but it's just a guy that's six eight, right? So yeah, yeah I mean that, that's that's something that they've got to address. And I watched a lot of Omar Payne, the freshman you referenced, and obviously he's a Mudbirdy Academy kid, so played as a prep powerhouse, but. Um, you just can't rely on him to be the sole guy in that role as a freshman. It doesn't work that way, really, in the SEC in, in this era. Well, and you, you said it. I mean, that's what I was going to bring up is it's just knowing what everyone else has and kind of knowing that we, we've still got, even though it's we've talked about sort of the guard-dominated SEC over the past several years, we've still got a ton of good big men in the league that, that are you know next-level type of prospects. And like you mentioned, that's where – uh, you, you've got to have that element if you want to be an SEC title contender and all that. But as we, we've said many times, there's still a lot of unknowns going into next season, but it's always a lot of fun uh, to sort of look ahead. But let's take this thing back a few years because uh, we were, we were kind of laughing before we came on, and it was I think it's an interesting discussion. Uh, the NCAA tournament this year, you saw everybody you know sort of talking about the Final Four and you had articles written about how bad it was going to be. You didn't have any, any big-name teams in there and all that. And I think more you – know, I didn't agree with any of that. Anyone that listens to this knows. I, I thought it was pretty silly. Um, the teams got there because they won games. But I think it also brings up a point that, that ties into Florida. And that's – it's really hard to believe that it is – I mean, you know, a couple of years – it'll be 15 years almost to the 15-year mark uh, of Florida winning back-to-back national titles – and it just feels like the NCAA landscape has changed so much in that time period to where, I don't know, Neil, I know maybe at the time we didn't undervalue it, but I think the more you look back at a team that was able to win back-to-back national titles, like we said, in what was a certainly a different landscape based on all those players that decided to come back and be on that, that team those two years, I just think maybe even now we we can't sort of fathom just how great of an accomplishment that was based on all this sort of parity we are seeing now in terms of the NCAA tournament and just the ability uh, to sustain success year in and year out. Yeah, it's hard to imagine that. I don't want to say never because there are programs that yeah. seem like they're built to maybe do it. Like you can look at Villanova right? or well, now Tony Bennett has one. I don't think it's happening next year, but you get the point. Like you can see a universe where where that kind of thing happened. Um, but yeah, I mean, to, to be able to sustain it a second straight uh, year and, and just the, the fact, I don't know if it will ever be done with the same starting five two years. Yeah, like, exactly. This day and age. That's just uh, astonishing to me. And you know what I really started to appreciate as the years have gone and is how they were both, both of them were different. Like the first one, they, they came out of nowhere they start the year. They weren't ranked. Um, you know, actually, some people 
I thought they wouldn't even make the NCAA tournament, and they they won 17 games in a row. They beat a really good Syracuse team at the NIT, and kind of were like maybe they're pretty good. And uh, and then you know they they kind of just caught fire uh, late in March when they all came together. But the second one was harder. I mean they they struggled some in in February. They they got clobbered by Vanderbilt. Yeah. Um, hit Memorial Gym, which I happened. was at that game. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then it happens, but then they went down to, to Baton Rouge against a you know an LSU team that had been to the Final Four the year before and didn't have much left and just got wiped off the floor and you just wondered if they were kind of out of steam or if the pressure of being number one all year, you know, such a prohibitive favorite had gotten to them. And and I don't think other than the Michael Kidd Grokers team, and you would know better than I, but other than that Kentucky team that also won the national title, it's hard to think of a, of a team that blitzed its way through the SEC tournament yeah. like the Gators did the second time. I mean, they won every game by like 17 points yeah. and never trailed for a second. And that's when you knew, oh, they just wanted to get the march. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, what a special, what a special time. And what's been cool is how connected those guys have stayed, uh, to the program. And that's been true for Florida alums from the Donovan era on and into the white era. And I think it's kind of what makes, you know, Florida's culture in this sport, something that's really special. And I think it inspired other schools because they saw in the conference, so I think they saw Florida and they said, there's a football school that no one would argue is not a football school. Yeah. And they have a commitment to excellence in basketball. We can do that too. And I think that really did help motivate what's what this monster that yeah, we have now. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it definitely played a role. And like we said, you look at what the SEC office has done, and certainly the late Mike Slive had a big hand in that. And then you see what you know yeah. someone like Dan Leibovitz is doing now, him coming on. There's just been so many different elements uh, that have added to just the, the sustained success now in the SEC. But like you mentioned, uh, th- there was a lot of it that sort of was built on on that back-to-back national title you know run that they had. Um, just because, like you said, it was something we hadn't – seen a team like that with the same starting five and just built the way that they were building and we know there's why that's why there's so only so many teams that that have won back-to-back national titles in the history of the tournament but even more so now kind of knowing where the game is we always kind of talk about the gap being closed maybe between the power conference teams and the mid-major teams um, or even really between the traditional powers in college basketball and then the other power conference teams that have sort of emerged onto the scene and it's just uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of look back. That's certainly one of, one of my favorite teams that, that have ever played the game just based on how they played. Um, and so let's go ahead and just transition that to wrap it up into uh, our man Billy Donovan. Um, since everyone is always asking the question, uh, he's, he's with the Oklahoma City Thunder now. We don't really know uh, how long he's going to want to stay there or how long they are going to keep him there. When does he return to the college game? Because in my from my perspective – I think it's a matter of when and not if at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it could happen as soon as, you know, a year from now. Um, Or it could be another two to three years. And I know Florida fans, uh, it would be hard for them to watch, (laughs) you know, Billy Donovan coach somewhere else. And I think think everybody will burn that bridge when they get there. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about a big series for the Thunder where if things go wrong – now, I could see 
Billy just doing some TV and doing his coaching clinics and stuff like that for a year while he kind of waits it out to see what happens um, for, for the big job. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll be back in the college game. It's stunning. He's 53. That's yeah. it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and if he came back in a year or two, the other thing that I'll leave you with, and I appreciate you having me on, is is the Krzyzewski record would still be in striking distance if he wanted to coach that long because he's already at 500. Yeah, exactly. I think people sort of forget just that he is still that young. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, really doesn't look like he's aged as much, um, certainly as you would imagine, and, and it's just kind of one of those deals where, man, he's fit for the college game, and, you know, we know coaches like to try the pros and, you know, be able to, to work with the best talent in the world. Um, but I think for college basketball, I know everyone would love to see him back. And like you said, maybe Florida fans would love to see him back uh, if he goes somewhere else. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, Neil, man, this has uh, been a lot of fun. I know we'll catch up more as we go throughout the off season, but wanted to have you on to sort of uh, reflect on this season and certainly looking ahead to next season and also talking about uh, those back-to-back title teams. But before we wrap it up, uh, let people know where they can find uh, all your work there online. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Uh, certainly, uh, Florida Basketball Hour is my basketball podcast, so we'll keep that going all summer. We'll have a bunch of different guests from, from Chandler Parsons to – current players that are that are scheduled to come on this summer so check that out um and then you can find my work at uh saturday down south football and basketball and uh give me a follow on twitter if you want at nw blackman so blake i appreciate you and and all you do to cover uh basketball in the sec all right that was a conversation with neil blackman of the florida basketball hour podcast be sure you go subscribe to that uh, they do great work over there and talking about the gators uh, lots of good interviews and insight into that program and you know you you look ahead uh, looking at what they could be next season when you look at florida um it could be one of the best teams in the sec and and we we mentioned you just never know from a roster standpoint how things are going to unfold this early on in the process but uh, if you put all the pieces together and feel like you certainly lean on that freshman and sophomore group uh, add in some experience maybe with grad transfers the gators could be really really good Um, and they could be one of the teams to watch in the SEC next season. So thanks again to Neil for joining me, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Go over to any podcast app you use, search for Southeast Hoops. Uh, That way you get all of these episodes sent to you as soon as they go up. Uh, SoutheastHoops.com, you'll find all the written stuff over there, as well as the podcast. Uh, Lots of great stuff going on. And as we've said, if you're someone just kind of rejoining the podcast, um, I've sort of revamped things now, and we're, we're starting to do these more frequently again. Uh, all throughout the offseason, we're going to have conversations with people all over SEC basketball, uh, whether that's current coaches, former coaches, former players, current players, uh, analysts like Neil and others. It's There's lots of stuff to cover, and it's one of those things where we know the calendar turns to football. We know you get into baseball for a while. Uh, but we keep things rolling here uh, in terms of SEC basketball based on where the league is now. There's certainly uh, a lot of excitement and there's plenty to talk about, so we'll keep doing that as we go throughout the offseason. So be sure uh, you're checking out southeasthoops.com and you have the podcast loaded up. Uh, Lots of great stuff on the way. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.